Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, September 28th, 2014. My name is Leah, and I'm your moderator. The share ID number for Friday, September 26th, is 6912. That's 6912. This morning, A Vision for You presents... Looking Back with the Light On. The big book was written as a set of specific directions for doing the steps. The promise of the 12-step process is one of a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. This is an ability of a person to do, feel, and believe things that they were unable to do, feel, and believe before. The 12 steps are a specific method for producing this personal transformation. The results give us freedom from the bondage of food. The steps remove the things that block us from the higher power deep down within us. As soon as that block is removed, we have contact with that higher power. And as soon as we have contact with that higher power, we become sane. We have been restored to sanity. We will feel a strength and a power that we know did not exist in us when we were trying to deal with our problems on our own. This is all through the journey of the steps. Here to speak this morning is Monica T. Monica is a recovered compulsive overeater and a loyal servant of Overeaters Anonymous, eager to carry this message of recovery. And welcome to the line, Monica. Good morning, Leah. And I'm presuming that you're hearing me. Correct. Okay. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Thank you to everyone who's on the phone. Um, Good morning to everybody. Um, I titled this Looking Back with the Light on My Journey Through the 12 Steps. And I'm going to be um, sharing with you my personal experience here with what um, it was like for me working through the steps and things that I've learned. And when I came into OA... In 2005, coming up on nine years here in November, I was in a dark pit. I was in there was no light there, no light. It was very dark. I was desperate. I was scared. I was frightened. I was miserable, and I was obsessed with food. I was obsessed 24/7. And I came into uh, OA in, like I said, 2005. But in 2009. I came into a big book meeting, and I saw some light in these people's faces. I saw a sparkle in their eyes. They were speaking recovery and the solution. And this was really foreign to me, but it really caught my attention. These people caught my attention. Their their, um, stories of recovery were so powerful. And I wanted that. I was... I wanted what they had. And so they said to me, okay, if this is what you want, 
this is what worked for us, and it'll work for you too. And so I got a big book guide, and a ladder was thrown down into this pit to me. And one step, one rung at a time, was my way out of this black pit. And I could look up and see a little glimmer of light. And I wanted what they had. And so I said, okay, I am going to, I, I want this. So I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And my big book guide gave me a set-aside prayer. And this is a very powerful prayer. And, uh, and it goes like this. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and you. For an open mind and a new experience of myself, my brokenness, my spiritual path, and especially you. And I was instructed to say this prayer every day. And I was instructed to, before I started any reading in the big book and before I started any writing. And now this is an official prayer that you find written out in the big book. But it does come from different wording and words that are in the big book. And for those of you that would be interested in that. On page 46 it says, We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, my old ideas, to express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results. And then also on page 47, the first paragraph, and the fourth paragraph, and on page 49, the second paragraph, and also on page 58, paragraph 3, you will find some wording there that is um, going along with this set-aside prayer. You know, God, help me to set aside my expectations, to be released from my old thinking, so that possibly, you know, some new ideas could come into this thick head of mine. And very quickly, you know, in just saying this prayer, I'm making a connection. I was making a connection with a higher power. Now, and so I'm asking when I see this prayer to see what I see rather than to see what I think I know. You know, and Monica knew everything. So at that point still, you know, I, there's not much light. There's a little glimmer. You know, I'm desperate. I'm willing to do anything. And they told me, she told me, we'll follow the directions no matter what you think, no matter what you feel about God or about any of this, follow the directions and take actions. Do the work, Monica. And it's interesting that today in research, they have, in uh, medical research, there's something called neuroplasticity. And what they have discovered with this, with this research is that information and feelings do not change the brain. What does is action. That when you do differently, over a period of time, you will begin to think differently and feel differently. Isn't this amazing? I, this just blows my mind that the big book 
already had this 75 years ago when it was written in 1939. You know, they keep telling us, take actions, do the work. And as a result of taking the actions, the steps, you'll get a spiritual awakening. So today, as a result of doing all this, I have been taken to a place I didn't know existed. And it's been a process. And it's, and it's a process, it's a process, it's a process. Now, step one. So it takes me to step one, the, the ladder, the first, the first rung on the ladder here. And what did I learn with step one? I learned what was wrong with my body, that I have a physical allergy, an abnormal reaction to certain foods. And if I ingest one of those foods, it will set off a craving and I cannot control my eating. I cannot stop. And I learned that I had something also wrong with my mind. And my mind, as part of this twofold disease, I have an obsession. It's an obsession is a, is a, lie, a lie, is a, a thought that is a lie that takes total control of my brain. When it comes into my brain, it's the master there. It's the only thought in there. And I also learned that I had what was wrong with my will, the unmanageability of my life, which is, all, which is the spiritual malady of my life. You know, this brokenness, this brokenness of my will, my thinking. And so, you know, it was like, wow, I'm powerless. Totally powerless body-wise because I have this allergy that I cannot do anything about and I will have till the end of until the day I die. And it's not my fault. I also have this obsession, this thought that takes possession of me. And it does it without my permission. And it's not my fault. It's not healthy thinking. It's a lack of ability to think straight. That's what this obsession is. You know, the insanity, when the book keeps using the word insanity, unhealthy thinking. I don't think like a normal person when it comes to food. Therefore, I'm powerless over these things. I have no control over, you know, I don't have any control over these things. And they're not my fault. It's not my fault that I have them. And then the will, the unmanageability, this is trying to control and this really struck home with me, my powerlessness here with this, in that for years and years and years, I would do what I didn't want to do, and I could not do the things I wanted to do. I don't do what I want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do. You know, I can't even trust my own mind, my will, my thinking. I'm screwed. Help, 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 help. So this is my step one, you know. I was in the corner. I was powerless. And nothing had worked. And I tried every means and ways. I spent four decades of dieting and, you know, I have the same stories as you all do, you know. And nothing worked for any length of time. I once I got into the allergic foods, I couldn't control. And once I, if I was able to put the food down for any, any length of time, 
I couldn't keep it down. Sooner or later, the crazy thought, the obsession would come into my head and say, it's okay, Monica, it'll be different this time. Um, You know, you've been so good for so long here. It's okay. You'll be able to control just one. And I would believe it and pick up again. And that's the way I spent my life, miserable. So if I'm powerless with step one, that brought me to step two. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So here's the second rung of the ladder out of this dark pit. And at that point, it was, yeah, I I need help. I can't do this. I'm powerless. And I've shown it to myself over and over and over again. So I need something greater than me. And so with step two, I made the decision. It's a conclusion. I made a conclusion that I was powerless and I needed, I needed something greater than me. And so I'm making a decision about God here with step two. And part of my work with my big book guide was developing a name, my own personal name for this higher power. And also to uh, write down what kind of qualities, what did I need from this higher power? I needed, you know, for example, I was powerless. Obviously, I needed a power that was greater than me. I needed a power that loved me, that cared about me, that was always with me. Um, These were some of the things that I wrote down. And also, as part of my studies, uh, in page 62 and 63 in the big book, he talks, Bill talks about relationships, different relationships with God. And I was uh, instructed to choose a relationship that I wanted with this higher power. And there's five different relationships there in the big book. The actor, the director, the actor, um, a father, the child, and some others. And so in the beginning, my, I chose the father-child relationship. A wonderful, loving, caring, protective father, and I was the, you know, the, the child. And it's interesting as I look back that other people were saying they were doing the director and the actor. And, you know, I just couldn't see that. You know, Monica, who doesn't want anybody telling her what to do, you know. <laughs> I, I can laugh at that now. And looking back, I've been noticing here lately that I'm changing my relationship now. I'm willing today to have the director-actor relationship. And this has been a process now. I'm talking four years. That I'm, I'm ready, I'm willing to take some instructions here, to t- follow some directions, to be part of a bigger sh- show, to not be the one trying to control the show, you know? So, golly, I sometimes think, gee, Monica, you might be doing a little growing up here. So this brings me to step three. And in step three, I made a decision. And step three is worded, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 
And so I'm making a decision to turn, to take an action. And that was explained to me at the time to work the rest of the steps. And when I did um, this with my sponsor, she asked me to be willing to work the rest of the steps to make recovery number one, to write daily when I was in the fourth step inventory, and that I would sponsor others when I was had gone through the process. So this was my decision. Now, did I really know what I was getting into? Did I really understand all of this? No, I did not. But I was willing and I wanted what they had. So it was take actions, do the work, Monica, no matter what you think or feel. So my sponsor and I together said the third step prayer together. I was went to her home and she had a candle lit to represent the light, the presence of God. And we both got down on our knees and we held hands. And she was my witness here that I was making, that I had made the decision to follow through with the steps. And we said the third step prayer together. And this is the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may be witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And notice she pointed out to me, Monica, there's no amen at the end of this prayer. And from this point on, you're under the umbrella of prayer. And what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. Talking to God. And for me, many times, uh, it's, you know, it's just saying hi. It's just saying uh, good morning. It's saying thank you. And many times it's saying, God help me. It's, you know, here it's Monica, crazy woman down here, and I need your help. <laughs> so now when I took the third step prayer with her, um, what I understood or what I saw with the third step prayer at that time, I liked the area that said, Relieve me of the bondage of self. That sounded good. Okay, I like that idea. That I may better do thy will. Mmm, I wasn't too sure about that part. But then it goes on and says, Take away my difficulties. And I liked that part too. Remember, there wasn't much light. It was very dim. And I'm in the pit. And I'm desperate. So I like those two parts of this prayer. And that's honestly where I was when I took this third step prayer with my sponsor that first time. Now, over time, it's a process. Today, I see this prayer totally different. And when I say this prayer every morning on my knees, I am willing when I say, God, I offer myself to thee. And the other part that's, that says, that victory over my difficulties may bear witness to those I would help. That's my focus today. I want to be a help to others. 
I want to help other suffering compulsive overeaters out of this dark pit. And, it, and to be able to witness that a great power greater than me, a love beyond my understanding, and a totally different way of life has really made a big difference in my life. And it can make a difference in everybody else's, in your life too, if you want to work these steps. And again, it's a process. Now, did I understand any of that four years ago, five years ago? No, but today I see it differently, looking back with the light on. May I do thy will always. And so this flowed into step four. And she told me to come prepared the day that I was doing my third step with her with a notebook and a pencil or a pen. And step four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And in the big book, it says the word next, following the information on the third step. And next, she told me, met immediately. And so immediately, I was going to start writing. And she explained to me that she was my big book guide, that she would um, help me through each portion of the four-step inventory, that she would explain explain give me explain the directions that are written in the big book everything came from the big book the directions on how to do my fourth step inventory and all i needed to do was follow the simple directions and do the writing and so i did a resent i did a resentment inventory i did a fear inventory i did a sex inventory and i did a sex ideal and this was all the writing that i did and I'm not going to go into all the details of the four-step inventory, but I followed the directions that were given in the big book. And a little further in the big book, it has on page 67, the angry or sick man prayer. You know, again, we ask God. And I was told that every time I saw that in the big book, we ask, we ask, that that's a prayer. I'm talking to God. Now, I've been given a little different form of prayer that I like to use today. And it's a prayer for freedom from resentment. And this prayer, I was instructed that if I had any resentments against anyone, that I needed to say it every day. And over a period of time, I would find that resentment being lifted. And so when I started this, I had three or four different people that I had these resentments that were still gnawing around inside of me here. And so daily, I said this prayer. And let's say I had three people. I said the prayer three times, and I inserted the person's name in the prayer. And yes, over a period of time, and I can't remember how long it took, um, the resent I noticed within a few days, I think one of them was lifted, and within a week, uh, another one was lifted, and then the third one took a little longer. But looking back over my shoulder, I saw one day that it had been lifted. And it goes like this. God, and I'm just filling the blank. Um, let's just say, I'll say the word grandma. God, grandma like me is a spiritually sick person. 
please help me to show Grandma tolerance, compassion, and patience. Please forgive me for being angry and enable me to stop clinging to this resentment. Please remove this resentment and show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view of Grandma. Please show me how I can be helpful to Grandma. Thy will be done. And my experience is that saying this prayer every day over a period of time, the resentment was lifted. It's not there anymore. This has been my experience. And whenever I find a resentment popping up that doesn't, you know, that's nagging and doesn't seem to want to um, go away, I say this prayer. So that's my experience with that. And as you can see, I'm, I'm highlighting a lot of prayers. Pray, pray, pray. You know, the step three, I was told that everything would be under the umbrella of prayer. Prayer. Talking to God. So I did my fourth step, wrote all my inventories out, and that came to step five. And step five is admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. And so I went to my sponsor's house because I was, I was able to do that. We lived not too far apart. And I uh, brought my notebooks and I was pretty nervous and, um, and scared and not knowing what to expect. And what I found was a very um, quiet atmosphere um, she, again, we had a candle lit to represent higher power. There was no judging. She basically sat and listened and occasionally made a comment or two. But what was Monica doing? Monica was verbalizing out loud what I had written. I, wrote, I read to her, I talked out loud everything that I had written down. She was a witness, like it says, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being. So I was talking to God with all of this, and she was my human witness that I was doing this step. And looking back, I see that doing step five, this was the beginning of a relationship of trust between Monica and another human being like she had never had. This lady heard what no one else heard or knew about Monica. I didn't trust people, but I did this with her. And so that was, you know, that's interesting. Also, I got a lot of relief. Now, I have to tell you, I was totally brain dead when I got done um, after hours and hours and hours of reading this stuff. But there was definitely some relief right away. And, of course, more and more as time went on. Relief from what? Relief from not hiding the stuff inside of me anymore. You know, all this stuff inside that I, all I could have told you for years, and I would tell a therapist that I just have this dark, swirling mass of something inside of me. Well, this process of doing the inventory brought this to the light. What was it? It was my resentments, my fears, my self-seeking attitudes, my selfishness. 
that I brought out to the light. And I know it sounds scary to when you think about doing all that, but it really wasn't for me. And I tried to remember to look at it as a learning experience. God was showing to me what I had never been able to see before. And deep down inside, I already knew this stuff. So this gave me relief. I didn't have to hide this stuff inside of me anymore. Wow, what a, what a load off my shoulders. And I also um, was told, you know, honesty kills the disease. So immediately after I did my fifth step with her, I, we, I um, followed the directions as were laid out in the big book. I drove home. It took about an hour to get home. And once I got home, I took out my big book, as it says, the instructions. You know, you take out your big book, you review the first five proposals, the first five steps. And I spent an hour in prayer and meditation reviewing the steps. Was there anything that I had not told her? Was there anything I had not brought out into the light? Was there anything that I was shameful was or guilty of that I had not brought out? And so I prayed to God and I asked him for this. Was there anything? And at the end of that hour, I called her back and we talked. And then we went into step six. And step six was, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So now at that point, step six, um, willingness is the principle. Was I willing to have things removed? Yeah, I was, you know. After doing all that writing, and I saw these same things over and over and over again. Again. And in the process of doing the four-step inventory, I started getting little light bulb flashes, you know, little moments of a little bit of light. The light was getting a little bit brighter. And I saw very quickly that, you know, gossiping, Monica, is not a good thing. It's not healthy. It's harmful. And I didn't want to continue doing that kind of activity. And other things were brought to light. And so when I got to step six, it was like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to continue doing these things. So on one level, yeah, I was ready to have these defects removed. And it was pointed out to me that my character defects, I'm powerless over them too. You know, this is the way I've been made. I'm a human being and I'm not perfect. But I am responsible for my behavior. And that the roots of my character defects come from resentments, fears, dishonesty, and selfishness. And resentments for me, what were my character defects there? Judging, criticizing, gossiping, fears. What did I do there for character defects? How about manipulation, being self-centered, being lazy, dishonesty, lying, Stealing, selfishness, being very impatient. So I was told to write down a list of character defects. And these are some of those that I wrote down. And I was to look at these things. And I was, you know, am I willing to act differently? 
was I willing to act differently? And I was just saying yes in step six. Yes, I am. So I had to write down, if I'm impatient, Monica, what are you going to do? What's the opposite virtue of this impatient? It's being patient. What does that mean for you, Monica? It means, Monica, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) How about dishonesty, Monica? How about, you know, the fudging on the uh, income taxes, the IRS income taxes, you know? Well, what's the opposite virtue of dishonesty? It's being honest. All right, Monica. So what's what are you gonna what are you willing to do here? I'm willing to be totally honest. So that helped me to look at my defects and write out what would I do differently? What would I do differently? And what has this done? It helps it's reduced the restlessness, the irritability, the discontentment. It's reduced the guilt and the shame that comes about when I use these character defects. And so it makes me feel better. And obviously, it makes people around me feel a whole bunch better when I'm not carrying on, you know, running my mouth, being impatient. So it changes. It changes me. You know, everything's better. And so I'm not holding this stuff inside of me. I'm not antsy anymore. And that's my terminology. I know if I'm feeling antsy, that's a red flag. There's something going on. I need to to step back and, and take a look at Monica. So am I willing? Step six, am I willing? How free do I want to be? Okay, I'm saying I'm willing. Then this leads me into step seven. And step seven is humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Again, there's a prayer here. And the principle of step seven is humility. Now, when I read this with my sponsor, I read, my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Now, I was told that the amen, I was, well, I was brought to my attention that way back on step three, I was pointed out to me that there was no amen. But now here at the seventh step, there is an amen. And I was, and that amen meant a declaration of affirmation, or so be it. And that I was, with this prayer and with this amen, I was um, signing a contract with God to do his will. Now, back then, when I did this, where was I at that point? Well, What I liked about this prayer at that point was that you should have all of me, good and bad. That, that, you know, that sounded nice. It gave me some comfort that God would take me the way I was, good and bad, that I'm a human being. And now, when I say this prayer, and every morning on my knees, this is part of my prayers, I say this prayer, and today it's, my 
creator. Wow. Imagine that. I have a direct line with the creator of the universe, with the power that made me, with the power that's run in this universe. And I am now willing that he should have all of me, good and bad. And I ask him every day to remove whatever character defects stands in my way today of being useful to someone else. And I ask him, grant me strength to do this as I go out here today to do this. And my experience has been that I've asked him. And when I sincerely ask him, it's a done deal. I will be thinking differently. I will be acting differently. So then we're on to step eight and nine. And steps eight and nine can be pretty scary. And again, the big book, you know, reminds us with step and nine, you know, what do you want? Remember way back in step three, you said you would do anything. And I was reminded of that. So it's like, okay, I did. And I do want recovery. And I don't have it yet. So I was instructed to make a list. And the list came from my original list of my resentments for all the people. And it was explained to me that there were um, direct amends, living amends, and then there would be letters to those that I had no idea where they were. And I also personally wrote letters to anybody who had died who was on my list, just as a way of of making an amends if I, if I owed them an amends. And just as some closure that I found was very was very nice for some of these people. So that brought me to step nine, making amends. Now, with the, my sponsor went over my list with me, and we decided who I needed to make direct amends to. And this is the last house, that last step of house cleaning here, step nine. You know, I started at step four, and this is the last part of the step of the house cleaning, excuse me, that I'm making, that I'm doing. And so, with the direct, anyone that I had to make a direct amends to, I had to write a letter, and then I read this letter to my big book guide, and we reviewed it and made any changes if I needed to make any changes because it was very, very important, as is pointed out in the big book, that I not cause any further harm, that I not say anything focusing on them, that it was all about me, what I had done, what behavior I had done, and how I had diminished them, how I had hurt them. And and making the amends, um, the first amends I made was a financial amends. And um, I went in there, scared to death, nervous. I had my little notes with me. And I made um, the amends, and it was just amazing, just amazing. The lady is giving me a hug and saying, I'm so, you know, proud of you of doing this and 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 you know, what can I do to help you and it was just out of this world, blew my mind. 
And I walked out of there and went and sat in my car and shaking like a leaf, excited, ready to, you know, I was doing, I wanted to yell out to the whole world, wow, what relief they gave, this gave me, you know. And part of the ninth step promises is a new freedom, a new happiness before you're halfway through making your ninth step amends. And that was true for me. And right off with this first one, you know, I had a new freedom. I didn't have to feel guilty anymore of what I had stolen. And I was making amends. I made a financial uh, donation uh, on, on in, for this wrong that I had done. And I started realizing with my ninth, in the process of doing my ninth step amends, at this point, also, I was instructed that I was now to be living steps 10, 11, and 12. So I started realizing, looking back again, you know, a little more light on, looking back, that God was really doing for me things that I couldn't do for myself. And it started with, it started with you know, that first day that I was abstinent, when my head hit the pillow that night. And I had stayed abstinent. I hadn't eaten any binge foods that day. I was instructed to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And to think about it and to realize, had I done that? No. I couldn't even stay abstinent for an hour. You know, all my my resolutions and and everything, you know, were, were out the window with breakfast. And it was like, yes, oh, my God. Something greater than I worked with me today, helped me today, did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I was willing to have a food plan, to write down my menu for the day, to give my food to my sponsor. I was willing to do these things. And with that willingness came grace. And with this grace from my higher power, I was abstinent that day. And uh, this willingness in this grace here, my willingness and grace, it, it's a mystery. There's a mystery going on here. I can't understand it. But it's powerful. And my experience has been the more I lean into this mystery, my higher power, the better everything is. The more I see, the more is shown to me. And so that's what I do every day, you know. And looking back, again, with the light on, this has been my experience. The more willing I have been able, been to do the steps, do each step the way it was supposed to be done, and with this grace, the more wonderful things were happening and God was doing for me things I could never do for myself. And so now we get to step 10. And step 10 is, is a spot check. I was told this was a spot check, that this is something I'm to be doing throughout the day. And on the, in the big book, it says, in the first paragraph of the step four, it says, continue four times. I'm going to continue my spot checking. I'm going to continue making amends. I'm con going to continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And I'm going to continue this for the rest of my life. You know, and we're given very explicit directions there on what to do when I do have a resentment. You know, number one, Monica, ask God to remove it. And that's what I do. 
or resentment pops up and I ask him to remove it immediately. I do a turnaround in my head. I'll, you know, I, I can see, I did so many turnarounds, I can see that form in my head, you know, so I, I go down the list. What's my realization? How am I being selfish, dishonest, self-seeking? What am I frightened of? Who have I harmed? And I will do that in my head. And, and many times um, with doing this, then I see, you know, if I need to make an amends, I do it very quickly. And I'm also told to turn my thoughts to someone else. So many times if I have something going on, I will realize this and I will start praying for somebody else. It says, turn your thoughts to someone you can help. So for me, the first thing I will do is I will pray for somebody else. And what does that do? It gets me out of my head. When I'm praying for them, I'm not thinking of whatever this resentment is. If this doesn't work, I keep repeating the prayer, I will then call my sponsor. You know, I will then talk to somebody. I need to verbalize this with somebody else who can help me through this. And this, the tenth step promises I love. Because here's where I'm going to get relief from my food. It says I'm going to cease fighting. I'm going to be seldom interested in it. I'm going to have a new attitude towards food. I'm not going to be fighting it. I haven't even sworn off. And when I look back, it was, oh my God. I'm not fighting this anymore. I'm not clawing and leaving claw marks and everything anymore. Anymore. If I discover a new binge food, it's like, okay, God, I'm offering this to you. It's in the binge food box, and I don't ever touch it again. That's the end. I'm not fighting it. It's the way it is. It's okay. And it says that I have to keep in fit spiritual condition. You know, what happens if I'm not in fit spiritual condition? Well, for me, I notice that my thoughts um, start getting a little sloppy. I start getting lazy. You know, I just don't feel quite right. A little antsy feeling. So, you know, it's like, okay, red light. God's bopping me over the head. And I do, he bops me over the head quite often because I am a great forgetter. Great, great, great forgetter. And so I have to look. Okay, what am I being lazy about? What haven't I been doing? Am I getting down on my knees every morning? And you know the thing about getting on my knees, and I heard this and I thought this is so true. Getting on my knees to pray. I didn't do that at first. This is another part of my process because yeah, I wasn't too sure about that. But getting down on my knees, that doesn't get God's attention. It gets my attention. And it's been so true. And I've just realized that when I started praying on my knees in the morning, that I had better days. It was better. And now step 11. Meditation suggests prayer and meditation. And so this has been part of my process, like I just explained on the, on the prayer part, you know, prayer, getting down on my knees, and that it gets my attention. It works. It works. And that prayer is talking to God. You know, I do have the, the I um, start every morning with, the third step prayer, my set-aside prayer, and the seventh step prayer. And also, as it says in a big book, on awakening. And what I, on awakening, I'm still laying in bed. On awakening, I open my eyes and I say, good morning. And I think about, okay, well, today's Saturday. All right. Oh, my goodness. That means this morning I'm going to be um, talking on a vision for you. And, you know, what else am I doing today? Okay. And then I ask God to divorce my thinking from Self-pity, dishonesty, and selfishness. 
Then I get out of bed on my knees and say my prayers. And this has been a process. And then it talks about meditation. What's meditation? Listening to God. Now, I have to be honest with you all. I really have had fought this meditation. I just, yeah, I'm working on other things, you know. I'm working on other things here. And in the last four months or so, I have this, it's, it's, I've made a conscious effort, contact, to have a meditation practice. And it was shown to me or told to me or suggested, let's use the word suggested. You know, all I needed to do was to start with one minute a day. I said, you know what? I can do that. I didn't know about this 20, 30 minute stuff that some people were talking about. But, you know, okay, I was willing to start with one minute. And so that's what I've been doing. And it. And I can now say I'm, you know, it's more minutes. I'm not counting the minutes, but it definitely is. And what I do is I have a, a, a little booklet that has a reading in it for every day. And I read that and I meditate on what what is the message I'm being given here? What am I, um, what's God saying to me? And I, I just, I read it and then I sit quietly for my minute. What am I hearing from God? What's the theme for today? What does he want me to think about today? And in this result, I'm trusting God more and more. I'm finding my relationship with him is closer to closer. You know, and it's all about trusting God. Trust God, Monica. And again, you know, the more willingness on my part, the better things are. The more, and it's been a process. It continues to grow. And I... I'm noticing as a result in the last four months that I'm finding myself turning more and more to God throughout the day. It might just be thank you or seeing some beautiful colors in the sky in the morning. Thank you. And it works. It works when I do this. You know, I have a more um, conscious contact with God today. And everything's just so much better. You know, boy, these Bill and the, the first 100 that wrote this book, you know, this had to have been a God-inspired thing. All these instructions. And um, uh, when I'm willing to do them, God gives me this grace. And it's a wonderful mystery that develops. And it's just keeping getting better and better. And so step 11 has a nightly review. Now, for me, what this is is... I review my day. Now, I've been spot checking throughout the day. So if I've made, um, if I have um, said something to my husband, then, and I shouldn't have, I've already made an amends to him earlier in the day. You know, so this stuff isn't building up inside of me. I'm trying to keep my house clean as I go along throughout the day. So at night, I do a little review. Okay, how has my day been today? How was I? You know, how was I with my husband? Was there, you know, was I impatient today? Well, then, oh, yeah, you know you were. You know, Monica, remember you're supposed to keep your mouth shut? All right, tomorrow, that's what I'm going to work on. And I say, thank you, God, and and good night. And then on awakening, I, I went over that a little bit on what I do in the morning. And step 12 having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Having had a spiritual awakening. Have I had a spiritual awakening? Yes! Yes. And what is that? It's a change. 
there's definitely been changes in my thinking, in my attitudes, in my behaviors. I'm not the same person I was. And, I, you know, hopefully I'm a better person. I'm a nicer person. You know, love and tolerance is our code. And I'm still changing. You know, this is an ongoing process. And thank God, he continues to show me more and more all the time. And he keeps bopping me over the head. And um, I keep trying. You know, I'm willing. And then carrying the message. I am a sponsor. I am a, I, well, I usually identify myself as a big book guide. Mainly that's what I do. I will guide a person through the process of working the steps. And um, I took a year-long big book workshop here this past year. And I liked how it was said that we were a lantern. I'm now a lantern. I'm not the light. I'm the lantern. And I'm holding this lantern, that there's a light shining from this lantern that's shining on the path that I walked, working these steps to get the spiritual awakening. So I'm sh- this light is being sh- shown from this lantern so that you can walk the path and have your own spiritual awakening. And I just like that. Um, so today, you know, we're told the last part of step 12, practice these principles. What are the, you know, principles with each step? You know, for me, honesty, love, integrity, willingness, humility, you know, love and tolerance for people, Monica, being honest, trusting God, turn to God. And some of my mottos have always been, here's better late than never. So no matter where you are, how old or how young you are, you know, today you can get started on these steps. Better late than never. I was in my 50s. And another thing I, I say to myself frequently while I was working the process and still do, what's my choice? What do I want? I have two choices, Monica. And way back in the beginning it was, Monica, you got two choices. Either continue in the food and the disease or get right back on the path and start working. And when I fall down, get back up on the bicycle and keep pedaling, Monica. That's part of the choice. You know, get back up and keep pedaling. And my sponsor said to me one day, and I really love this. She says, what do you do when you're on a trip and you get lost? Do you go all the way back to the beginning? Do you go all the way back home and start over again? No. You find your way back to the road, to the main road, and you continue your journey. And I think that's so important that we're all on a journey. And what have I learned? And I'm still learning, because I'm a great forgetter. (laughs) That it doesn't matter what I know. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what I believe. What matters is what I do. Taking the actions. And that's what mattered was taking the steps, working the steps one at a time through the process and getting that spiritual awakening. So that today I do think differently, feel differently, behave differently, 
And this is the order, this is the process of the spiritual awakening, working, working these steps. And this has been my experience. And, and a couple of thoughts that came out of my um, four-step inventory was, you know what, Monica? It's none of your business, and I know nothing. Because, you know, I thought I knew everything. I knew everything. And it's God, it's God, it's God. And, you know, he's always revealing more. And in turning back, in looking back here with this light that God has given me, with these new eyes to see what I could never see before and to know what I didn't know before, it's, it's, I realize that my decision to turn towards God in step three and today, looking back, I see that God turned me. And this can happen for you, too. And something that helped me get through the process was the promise on, on page 84, the nine-step promises, or one of the sentences there. You know, the promises, it says um, they will come sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But this is what I hung on to. They will always materialize if we work for them. And that has been my experience. I did the work and I've had a spiritual awakening. And if it's promised right there in black and white, in writing, that if you do this work, it will happen for you too. And all the recovered compulsive readers and all the recovered alcoholics are saying the same thing. If you're willing to do the work, you can have this too. And with that, I'm going to um, close with, there used to be a commercial on TV for a um, motel chain. It said, we will leave the light on, something to that effect. And so the light is on for you. We'll leave it on for you. And with that, I thank you all so very much for letting me do this service. Monica, thank you for your presentation this morning, looking back with the light on. Thank you very much for your thorough and insightful description of your journey through the 12 Steps of Recovery. Monica's contact information will be offered at the conclusion of this recording, so hold on for that. And now we're going to open the floor for question answers. You can direct your question to Monica by pressing star 1 to unmute and identifying yourself, please. Hi, I have a question. Yes, good morning. And your name, please. Tippy. Tippy, good morning. Go ahead with your question. Okay. I was, um, you know, there are a lot of prayers, but I especially liked Monica's prayer that you say when somebody... Um, you're resentful to somebody. If Monica could repeat that prayer, is that prayer in the big book or is that just a takeoff on the part in the big book of praying for somebody that they're sick and this prayer was constructed from that? If she could answer that question, perhaps repeat that prayer quickly. Um, yeah, it is not. That particular one is not in um, the big book word for word, but it's taken from the thoughts um, of that. And... Oh, now I got to see if I can find. Yeah, it's taken uh, from the reading after page eighty-three. 
Yeah. Um, that we say that we read every day. The, the words mm-hmm. are very, is it possible to just repeat it again? I thought it was very powerful. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, God, fill in the blank, like me, is a spiritual sick person. Please help me to show blank, tolerance, compassion, and patience. Please forgive me for being angry and enable me to stop clinging to this resentment. Please remove this resentment and show me just, how to just take... Just pause for a minute. Yeah. Please, tolerance, compassion, and patience, please forgive me for being... Being angry. Yes. And enable me... Enable me, yes. To stop clinging... Yes. To this resentment. Yes. Please remove this resentment. And show me how to take yes. a kindly and tolerant view yes. of fill in the blank. Please show me yes. how I can be. Helpful to fill in the blank. Thy will be done. Thank you so much. My question is, if somebody hasn't finished their fourth step and is not recovered yet, do you feel that um, by saying this prayer anyway, this will help them deal with that resentment? Do you have to be at a certain place for that prayer to be effective? You said you felt it helped you. Yeah, I think it can be done anytime, anywhere, by anybody, you know, no matter where we are in the process. So when in the 10th step it says that when you're resentful to somebody, would this be something you would jump in at the 10th step when you do the 10th step thing about asking God to remove resentments to other people? Would this be like a prayer to say at that time when you do the few steps of the 10th step? Um, Sometimes I have, you know, if it's something that's persistent. I will. Although sometimes just doing the the tenth step uh, process itself will remove the resentment. But if it's something that seems to want to hang on, then I would use this prayer. You know, and it, I was instructed no matter what I saw or felt or or whatever, that using this prayer again, that willingness and that grace, um, you know, you it will help you get relief from the resentment. God will lift it. It may take, you know, it may take 24 hours, it may take months, but to keep doing it until it was lifted. Thank you, Tippy, for your questions. Hi, this is Cindy also, and I don't really have a question, but Monica, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I I just, I'm new, and your your, uh, talk was very um, clarifying for me and very moving. Thank you. Thank you, You're welcome. Cindy. Welcome to you. Who's next with a question? Marta Sally. Sally. I hear Sally. Did I hear somebody else as well? Marcella. And Marcella. Sally, go ahead. Oh, thank you, Leah. Good morning, Monica. Thank you so much for your share. It was absolutely a blessing to me. 
Um, Monica, I wanted to ask you, so if you have a sponsee who's recovered and has been recovered for any period of time, and they come to you and they tell you they binged, I, I heard what you were sharing about being on a journey, you know, we get off the right road, do we go back to the beginning of the journey? Of course not. We go back to the right road. But I wondered if you could share specifically what you would do, what actions you would take in working with a sponsee who's been recovered and has lost their abstinence through a binge, a real binge, not a slip. Thank you, um, Thank you, Sally. Thank you for the question. My usually what I will do is I will review with them and basically it's looking at majority of the time it seems like um they're not working steps 10, 11 and 12. Haven't been keeping their house clean on a daily basis with 10 and 11 and 12. And so it's like you know, do get back on the road, do hear what you should be doing. Let's, you know, uh, put the food back down and and work ten, eleven, and twelve. Um, and that's you know that's that's what I would do with them. I might you know, it, and and everybody's different. It's there's no. I wish I could say, uh, you know, every experience is different. But if it's somebody who's been through the process, who did their four step inventory thoroughly and whatnot, then I would, you know, review nine, uh, 10, 11, and 12 and and talk with them about that and see what's going on. And if it's a matter of, well, you know, I haven't been doing step 10, I, I haven't been praying and meditating, um, then, you know, there's where you slipped up. Get doing it. Does that help? That's Thank my you. philosophy. Thank you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, there's different things on it. Thank you, Monica. That does help. And Marcella, your turn. Um, Marcella, I recovered compulsive overeater. Monica, I feel so close to you, and I, I feel like I know you, even though I've never seen your face. Thank you for your service. Would you be so kind to elaborate on how uh, the 12 steps have impacted your weight, your body size? your relationship with the scale or your relationship with your body image. Thank you. Oh, yeah. This is, you know, this is one part of those uh, 10 step promises. Um, I um, am maintaining 75 um, pound weight loss, uh, which I never did for more than, you know, three hours before for now five, six years. Maybe even more than that now, actually. It must be about seven years. And God has also, you know, helped take away that diet mentality thinking for me, you know. Before I was uh, obsessed with food all the time, 24-7, and now it's not an issue, you know. I do write my menu down every day. I have a little book by my placemat. I write my menu for the day um, so I know what I'm going to have when I'm going to have it. And that helps eliminate a lot of issues. And I have my meal. I'm thankful for my meal. And I try to remember each meal to say, thank you, God, for this. And, um, and you know, it's done. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. You know, I never was that way before. Nothing ever satisfied me, and I could never get enough. And I'm happy until the next time it's time to eat again. Wow. You know, it's been lifted. Um, 
The scales, I um, again, I had obsession and craziness with scales. That's been lifted mainly because I stay off of the scales, and I do, I do normally weigh probably once a month. And um, I generally will say a prayer before I get on the scales. <laughs> you know, God, I'm a crazy woman. Help me here. I'm getting on these scales <laughs> first of the month. <laughs> um, but I also know that, you know, Monica, you don't have to fear them. And it's only a number. Because if you're abstinent and you're doing what you need to be doing, the number is going to be okay. And then the number is just a number. You know, what's going on between my ears is so much more important. So, yes, uh, there definitely has been changes you know in the thinking and attitudes and and with the in that department and was there something else you were asking me i forgot i think that that covers it all thank you so much thanks marcella thank you for the question thank you and who's next or one to unmute cindy G. Anybody else? Yes. Hello. This is Rachel calling okay. from his... Good morning, Rachel. Okay, so Suji and then Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Monica. What a beautiful message. And I appreciated your statement of prayer and meditation and taking action as healing agents. Um, and um, I'm thinking about this. I wonder how, how do you use gratitude as a healing power in terms of your own recovery, in terms of your work as a big book guide, and in terms of your own life? Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Suji, for that question. Gratitude's um, for me, it's part of my thanking this, thanking God, thanking my higher power um, for when I'm looking back, you know, looking back and seeing all these things. Uh, being grateful for me is being thankful for what He's done for me, all that He's done for me that I could never do for myself, and being able to hopefully spread that uh, to others, to share that with others. Um, I guess I've always been an optimistic person, and I've always been grateful for um, things in my life, but this has really brought it home more, you know, to me. And I do like to remember to be grateful, because when we're grateful for things, you know, when you're thinking about positive things and you're being grateful and you're verbalizing this, you can't be in the negative spot at the same time. And um, I guess that's where how I would be using it or sharing that with others. Thank you, Suji. Rachel, your turn, please, with a question. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Leah for hosting, and thank you, Monica, for this beautiful, very, very informative and and precise uh, rundown of all the steps. And I will listen to it again. It was very, very good, and thank you so much. 
Um, I, I wanted to just make make a comment. Uh, what made me very happy at the beginning of your your talk, you uh, spoke about the the brain's plasticity and mentioned that um, action also brings right thoughts and right feelings. And I've been thinking of that for a while now, because many times we say uh, all all action is born in thought. And um, this, what you just mentioned, was such a nice um, completing the the situation from the other angle. It is true that you 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 meditate. Actions are premeditated. You know that that uh, food doesn't doesn't just jump into your face. Uh, that uh, you've been doing your job, staying in a fit spiritual condition, and doing the steps. Then then you're you're you've paid your your insurance and and you do the the right uh, uh, um, the actions will follow but this completing it with yes also from the other side um you can do all these good actions and and do the steps and do what you're asked to do without understanding exactly how exactly the, this whole puzzle is going to be put together, and it will bring the right results. And I, I think it was very, very important that you mentioned that, that um, many times it's best to not go into deep philosophy and, and understanding. Just do it, because it worked for so many people. It still works for so many people. So just you know, put, to put my, my um, how do you say it, my neck to the grindstone and just keep on doing it. And and gradually the, the good feeling and the good thoughts uh, come and complete and it. So thank you so much. That's all I wanted to say. I pass. Thank you, thank Raquel. Thank you, Raquel. Anyone else with a question for Monica this morning? Star one to unmute. My name is Jean. I have a question. Hi, Jean. Go right ahead. Jean, welcome. Go ahead with your question. Star one to unmute, Jean. Anyone else while we await Jean back on the line? Hello? Hi, this is Lisa from Colorado. I had a question. Lisa from Colorado, and I heard another voice on the line. It was another gene, not the one that tried before. Another gene. Okay, let's go with Lisa, and then we'll go to Jean. Thank you. And, um, forgive me if this has been covered. Um, I'm, ask, I'm, I'm wondering about the walking 10 steps throughout the day. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing different people that are calling each other up and doing like a 10-step over the phone or a walking 10-step. What does that look like for you, Monica, as far as being accountable for resentments and 
um, ill will and, you know, just out-of-the-box behaviors. Thank you, Jean, for that question. Um, no, not Lisa, I'm sorry. Um, for me, what 10-step looks like is um, if I'm finding myself having, you know, all of a sudden somebody's irritated me, and I got this little, you know, I'm feeling this little resentment. I will immediately ask God to remove that. I pray the prayer. God, please remove this from me. And sometimes that'll do it. I can just move on. If not, then I will, if it, it continues to be an issue, I, you know, or it's a pretty big resentment, I will do a turn, what I call a turnaround in my head. I will ask myself, um, have I ever done this type of behavior? In, and then I will also ask myself, how am I being selfish? How am I being dishonest? What am I, how am I being self-seeking? What am I being frightened of? And have I harmed anybody? And this, were, this was what I did in my four-step inventory, this turnaround. These were the questions I had to write out with every single person. So, like, I do this in my head now. And, and so I will see, you know, God will show me, well, you need to do, um, you know, you said something here, you better make a, an immediate amends. And I will do that as quickly as possible. And the big book says to turn my thoughts. So I will also, usually if I'm feeling a resentment or, or a fear, it, definitely if I'm having a fear, I will immediately ask God, please remove this fear from me. And I may say that over and over and over again. And I will then um, turn my thoughts to somebody else. And for me, the first thing that I will usually do is pray. I use prayer. I turn my thoughts in prayer to be a help to somebody else. I feel prayer is very powerful. And if I'm praying for you, then it gets me out of me and my fear and my resentment. If that doesn't work, then I'm going to, I need to talk to somebody. You know, I, I am still a crazy woman in my head. And I may need some other, another set of eyes and experience to help me if um if the resentment or the fear hasn't been lifted. And I do this anytime I feel antsy or if I realize, you know, I'm being resentful against somebody or um, or I have a fear. So it's something I do throughout the day, you know. I may only do it once a day. I may not do it at all. I may do it a whole bunch of times. But this is helping me throughout the day keep my house clean so this stuff doesn't build up inside of me. So that's what used to happen. You know, a mouth off at somebody, well, you know, I know I shouldn't do things like that. And I just start feeling, you know, I held this all inside. You're sort of feeling bad. You you know, you're antsy. You just, things aren't right. Restless, irritable, and discontented. So now hopefully I do it right then and there. And, um, yeah, you know, sometimes it is. Call someone who's recovered and say, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And they'll say, hmm, sounds like you need to do a 10th step here, Monica, with me. And we'll do it, and hopefully things will be relieved. Thank you, Lisa, for that question. Now we'll move to, on to Jean, please, for your question. Jean, star one to unmute, please. Yeah, this is Jean. Can you hear me? We can. Okay, my question was answered. 
It was answered. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Thank All you. right. This, this is the other Jean. Well, hello. And <laughs> go ahead with your question. Um, I'm, I've been in program many years, and I'm older than you from what you said. And But you did say something that... Um, about the resentment of a grandmother. And I have a granddaughter, a grown granddaughter, who has a resentment against me, and I don't know what the heck it is. And my feeling is it's hurtful. It's it's hurtful to me. I'm sensitive. And I, you know, and I pray about it, and I pray for her, and I, I um, sort of, uh, like, have to let it go. But um, because I know it's her stuff and it's not mine and all I can do here is, is love her. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss because it creeps up. It creeps up in me. She's an adult, you know. And um, so I, I, guess, I, guess that's, I guess that's a question. <laughs> and, uh, my um my experience with this type of stuff when i find myself in something like this and what i learned um with doing my four step inventory was that i really did not know anything and i was a great one for thinking i knew exactly what people meant and were saying with what they said and I found out that majority of the time I was totally off base. And um, the other thing was, and it's none of my business. And it's, it's it, you know, I have to pray. And I guess what I would do with this, this would be a step 10 or a four-step inventory that I would sit down and say to myself, the realization, have I ever done this type of behavior to anybody? You know, have I ever said something or done something similar to this to somebody else? And with that part of my uh, writing, I saw that I had done the things that I was resenting that someone else had done, or I thought they had done, I had done so many times myself. So who am I? And then I would look at the selfishness. How was I being selfish here? How was I being dishonest? You know, many times for me, the dishonesty was, you know, I didn't know a thing. I really didn't know what they, you know. And um, what was my reaction, my self-centeredness, you know? And, and what was I frightened of? And to do the writing on that. And when something is particularly rough, I, like I say, I do do this in my head, but there are times when I do sit down and I write it out. I do the written part of it. And God always reveals something to me. And, um, you know, keep praying. All we can do is pray for someone else. You know, love and tolerance. I don't understand. It's hurtful, yes. Um, but God help me. You know, I'm a crazy woman here. And I, I really want to be loving and tolerant. Because this thinking, this behavior is harmful to me. It's hurtful and it's harmful to me. What can I do differently here? Well, I can pray for that person. I can do something positive that way. And hopefully he will relieve me of, of what I'm feeling. And I hope 
that helps you in some way. Thank you, Jean, for your question. Who's next with a question for Monica? This is Anne-Marie. Hi, Anne-Marie. Anyone else on the line? I have a question. And your name? Laura G. Laura G. Okay, so let's start with Anne-Marie, and then we'll move on to Laura G. Go ahead, Anne-Marie. I keep getting that voice on the phone. Um, I can Press to eight. Press I, eight. I, yeah. I did. Can you still hear me? I know. We hear you. Okay. Uh, thanks, Leah, for your service, and also, um, Monica, I really appreciate your share. My question is, um, what answers do you get when you ask, where have I been? I apologize. Where have you been selfish or dishonest? Do you get those answers from within yourself, or do you get that from discussing it with with someone else? And um, thanks. I'll mute now. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Um, I get it from, you know, God reveals things. And also, uh, I did so many turnarounds when I did my fourth-step inventory that uh, it was shown to me over and over and over again the the things that I did, and we all have um, themes, I guess, or how can I put it? Things that we do, you know, and we and we repeat these behaviors. Um, you know, selfish is what I think, what I want. No, uh, selfish is being, you know, what I want. You know, and my big selfish thing was I wanted everybody to be different, to be different, and to do things my way. Um, that was uh, many times my uh, selfishness, you know. I want you to be different. I want you to do it my way. I want you to listen to me. That's how I was selfish. And I saw that, you know, it was it, after writing it <laughs> many, many, many times, you know, and I saw that pattern, you know. And I usually ask myself, what, what is it I want here? And um, usually, you know, in prayer, I always start everything with prayer um, before I do any writing or thinking about it. God help me here. And he reveals things to me. Yeah. And that's what I do. Thank you. Thanks, Anne-Marie, for your question. Laura G., it's now your turn. Thank you. Thank you guys for your service, uh, for everybody on the call um, as well. Um, my question is about um, the obsession, uh, the obsessive nature, which um, I just started reading the big book in, in a way that I had never had before in regards to my uh, main addiction, which is compulsive overeating. And um, I'm recognizing my obsessive nature in just about everything and um, how I, I've been doing really well on the on the trying to stay um centered in all this which sometimes is overwhelmingly excited and then other times I'm scared because I know that I couldn't possibly attain recovery and that obsessive thinking um I'm just like do you have any experience with that thanks for letting me ask the question <clears throat> thank you for asking um 
I oh, the only thing I can come up with here is is you know when I started this process, I was fearful. You know, um, uh, would this work for me? You know, here I am, mid fifties. I've done all these other things. Is this going to work? You know, is this going to work? What's going to be any different this time for me here? And my experience has been that do the work, Monica. Work each step according to the directions in the big book and trust and trust as as it's written in, in the big book, as the recovered people are telling you that if you do this work, you will have a spiritual awakening. I you cannot I, I just firmly believe and this me this is me now, I, I firmly believe that a person cannot work through steps one through nine, cleaning their house and living ten, eleven and twelve without having some sort of spiritual awakening. And, you know, and that's a change, a change in your thinking, a change in your attitude, a change in your belief. And it's just a very beginning. You know, when I first crossed over after making, you know, ninth step into 10, 11, and 12, it was just a beginning. And it's just, uh, it's a process. It's a lifelong process. And uh, it continues, the more I work this and stay in 10, 11, and 12, the more it grows and the better it gets. And I just hung on to that sentence on page 84. They will always materialize if you work for them. And um, I hung on to that uh, while I was working through the process. Thank you. Thank you, Laura G. Anyone else? Questions for Monica? Teresa A. from D.C. Hi, Teresa. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, Monica, thank you so much for everything that you said this morning. And I'd like to focus on step 10 in uh, turning over resentment and praying for someone. Um, The prayer that you shared was especially helpful. I'm actually using it right now. But uh, my question for you is what happens after you said a prayer for someone and you turn it over to God? But at the same time, so let's say in terms of a relationship, friendship, um, so I'm in a situation where I feel as if I need to say something, you know. So the situation is a, a friend has made hurtful jokes, and that's the nature of her friendship. And so, yes, I pray for this person. Yes, I turn it over to God. But in not being servile or scraping, do I not get to say these are the types of relationships that I allow into my life, or is that being controlling? Like, I, I don't know how to determine where it is I'm being willful and, and or how to just let it go without allowing myself to be um, a victim to that behavior over and over and over again. Are there um, any times where you feel you have to speak up? Um. I would probably want to discuss this with um, my sponsor and maybe a few recovered people. Uh, Definitely continue praying about it and and see what would be revealed. You know, we do, like the big book says, you know, sometimes we do have to distance ourselves from... Um, unhealthy relationships, and but I would want to pray about it and talk with some recovered people, and have other input um, 
into what they were seeing. Because, you know, my eyes were broken and still are at times. You know, what I think and see are not really reality, are not really what's happening, you know, but I've got whatever my thinking is going on. And I need somebody else to to be able to look at it and see it with different eyes. And many times that may help me. And I hope that helps. Thank you, Teresa, for your question. Anyone else? Hi, this is Tara. Good morning. And thanks, Monica. And thanks, Leah, and everyone who's here today. I have a question about this um, fourth step, and it's the self-seeking um, term. How do you... Do you have an example of self-seeking? Does that take many different um, angles? Thank you for that question, Tara. Yes, it does. Self-seeking for me is what are my actions? Um uh, how am I retaliating? Um, so for me, that was what I saw over and over again was gossiping, judging, criticizing. Um, it could be other things like um, withdrawing affection from someone, uh, being, um, um, you know, or yelling at somebody or hollering at somebody or putting people down in front of others. You know, what were my actions? As a result of the resentment, what did I do? How was I trying to, you know, um, retaliate in a sense? So if somebody said something to hurt my feelings, then immediately in my head I'm judging and criticizing. And, um, uh, you know, I might have a little tidbit of gossip about this person. Uh, Also, I saw frequently for me that I withdrew. I withdrew. Uh, And so meaning, well, the next time I saw you, I would probably, you know, uh, I still might say hello, but I wouldn't be quite as friendly. Or I might go out of my way to not not have to say anything at all. These were the types of self-seeking actions that I used. And 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 seeing that what my self seeking was helped me to see you know these are my character defects and you know um, how can I change these what can I do differently Thank you Thank you Tara for the question Anyone else questions on your mind for Monica This is Sarah Hi Sarah go ahead. Okay, good morning, Leah. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Monica. Thank you so much for your beautiful example of uh, living in this life of recovery that we have. Um, I'm wondering if you could uh, talk a little bit about when you're around people that are in active addiction, that are really struggling and unhappy, how you can go about... Um, you know, if they ask you things, especially about food-related things, um, how you verbalize uh, to them in ways that is not judging and at the same time is not pushing, you know, our way of uh, life or our way of doing things and at the same time maybe engendering them to want to um, think about just just your experience with that. I think um, 
you know, I have a hard time with that, um, especially like in, in my workplace when people are in the act of addiction and, um, you know, they're starting to talk about, you know, their diets and their anxiety about their, their weight and their food. Um, just wondering how you, how you go about interacting with people like that. Thank you. Thank you for the question, Sarah. And um, <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> um, I guess what I've been learning was, uh, Monica, again, you know, that big theme, keep your mouth shut. Um, if they ask me, specifically ask me a question, then there's an opening for me to possibly say something. Um, I'm still struggling with this myself, too, you know, um, because uh, I'm all excited and I want to share all this with everybody and, you know, want everybody to see it, and but they're not there. And um, so love and tolerance again, and, and many times all I can do is, is pray for somebody um, uh, that's in that position and, and hope maybe they will see something or hear something or, um, you know, um, that will bring them to ask a question or something that maybe then I can can say something. But I have to be very careful in this area, too, because um, uh, I say too much at times. I'm, you know, I come on too strong, and I, I'm still learning. So I'm afraid I don't really have a great answer for you on that. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah, for that question. Anyone else this morning? Questions for Monica? Hi, good morning. Um, this is Alita, Minnesota. May I ask a question? Hi, did you say yes, Anita? Go ahead, Alita. Alita, go ahead. Oh, Alita, okay. Oh, thank you. Yes, um, um, thank you so much, Monica, for the beautiful share. Thank you, Leah, for your service, everyone who's on the line. Um, I, I did want to ask you, I, I just loved everything you said. I wanted to ask you about in the beginning you spoke about the set-aside prayer and then you made reference to different portions of the big book that um, where that came from. And I did get um, three of the pages. You said 46, 47, and 58. And I was wondering if you could just repeat those pages, please. Okay, I think you um, got most of them. 46, mm -hmm. 47, 49, and 58. Or there may be more, but those are the ones that I um, had noted in my book that I pulled out. Thank you. And this prayer, the set-aside prayer, has been so, so powerful to me. And uh, there are different versions out there, different, you know, it, basically they're all the same type of thing with different wording. Um, but uh, this, I just find this prayer so powerful. And, and, you know, it's a process, and recovery is a process too. And God is constantly revealing more and more all the time. I'm, I'm always something more to learn and see. Thank you for the question. Anyone else before we... Wrap up this morning. Minky? 
Mickey, go ahead. Um, hi, good morning, Janice. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Um, I had a question. Um, what happens if you uh, do step 10, um, you write it out, you give it over to people, you give it over to your sponsor, and the same person keeps coming up again and again and again and again? Um, what are some of the things that you have found helpful in this process? Um, thank you for the question. I would definitely use that resentment prayer. And um, keep turning, you know, I would definitely use the resentment prayer and pray for them every single day. Um, I haven't had that particular um, thing happening to me, but that's what I, you know, I would do that. And I would probably sit down and do and write out um, a complete turnaround on that person and share that with my sponsor. And keep praying. Keep talking to God about it. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Anyone else? Going once. (laughs) (laughs) Twice. Three times. Hi, this is Linda R. You got right in there, Linda. Go right ahead. Linda R., go ahead with your question. Linda R., star one to unmute. Okay, can you hear me? We can. Go right ahead with your question. Thanks, everyone, for your service, Monica, and everyone on the line. Here's my question, okay? What happens when the steps have been done, the maintenance steps are being worked, and yet there's a resentment that keeps coming up with a person over and over again, no matter how much prayer and how much program? This is my question. Is there a time when... The acceptance of the resentment is there as a part of the defective character. If it's been lifted with others, but there's still this recurring resentment from a core family of origin issue, does there come a point, in your opinion, where it's just an acceptance of the resentment that may never go away? And do we make that part of our acceptance of the program? And, you know, we're not eating over it. We're just, it just keeps coming up from the past of the origin, family of origin. However, all the work's been done. The prayers are done. We're doing everything. What do you do with that? And I know I relate to that myself, but I've also heard this from people I sponsored. Sometimes the resentment just cannot be cleared, no matter what we do. So I just want to know what your opinion is about that. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Linda. Um, I have not had, well... Uh, the grandmother thing that I mentioned with the resentment prayer, that that was a reoccurring thing for me over and over and over again. And what finally gave me relief was saying that resentment prayer every day. Um, And then I just found that it, you know, it wasn't as much. It was diminished. And uh, actually today I would say it's gone. 
in and also in doing my turnarounds in doing the realization that was a big thing for me and that was i had to ask my question ask myself with each person have i ever done this behavior or similar behavior myself to anyone and if the answer was no then i needed to look at it a little bit differently and it was you know where maybe it was all i could come up with was you know they are a sick person they're sick and sometimes i might know there was some history behind that you know abusive people came from abusive families that's all they knew um that helped me with that realization that they were sick and um uh that was a big thing with my mother that that she was i finally was able to have peace around her in realizing that she was very sick mentally physically spiritually and god relieved me uh, but i would today you know i would maybe do that type of writing um and i would definitely use that resentment prayer and pray it every day and um over time um you should see re- some relief and realizing, you know, uh, I don't like these unhealthy thinking and unhealthy thoughts. They're not good for me. So what can I do instead? And the big book tells us over and over and over again, turn our thoughts to somebody else. How can I be a help to somebody else? You know, there's a little lady down the street all by herself. Why don't you give her a call, Monica? Why don't you go visit her? Get out of yourself, Monica. Do something for somebody else. And and that's, you know, when I get out of my head and and turn to somebody else or how I can be a help to somebody else, it works every time. And that's what Bill saw, too, you know, that if he helped another drunk, he did not drink. He got relief. Thank you for that question. Thank you, Linda R. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks, Linda, for your question. Thank you to everybody who... Pose questions this morning, Sippy, Cindy, Sally, Marcella, Suji, Raquel, the Jeans, Anne-Marie, Lisa, Sarah W., Teresa, Tara, Linda R., Mickey, and anyone I missed. And, of course, thank you, Monica, for your presentation this morning and walking us through your journey of the 12 steps and, of course, sharing with us the result of the 12 steps of spiritual awakening. And now I'm going to close the meeting in the way we always close our meetings here on A Vision for You, and that's from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit 
and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then. Um, 